uh, much of my preaching, as I said, is to myself. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I find myself similar, having similar needs as you have, and I find myself needing sometimes a certain bit of a spiritual diet, and when I do, I feed myself, and in, in, in so doing, I trust that I also feed you. Now, there's some things I need tonight. There's some things I need desperately in these important days of our church's life. I, uh, I need to be reminded, and I suspect all of us do, that uh, the Lord is in charge of everything. And uh, we need to have the Lord just put his calm hand of, or his hand of tranquility upon us and, and, uh, and make us be at peace. And I need that, and I feel sure that you do. One of the ushers, help the brother find a seat, if you would, please. <clears throat> Just as soon as you can, Bob. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I feel a very definite need in my own life tonight. In five months, what is today, the 20th? Five months and uh, 11 days, we're going to have to pay two and a half million dollars on our college campus, or we'll have a college without a home. We now have less than four hundred thousand dollars of that money, and that means we'll have to have two million one hundred thousand dollars coming from somewhere in the next four, five months and eleven days, <coughs> and. Uh, it's never, it's never been done in the history of, I guess, our country by any church. And we don't have a lot of wealth in this church. We have a good cross-section of society, I think. And our offering this morning, total offering, was about thirty-one or $32,000. But $2.5 million is an awful lot of money. And I need to remind myself tonight, and uh, I'm sure you need the same reminder, that my times are in his hands. David, at the time he wrote the 31st Psalm, was in real trouble. He had committed a sin of numbering the people for war. I made mention of this in a recent message. Because he had committed this sin, God gave him three choices. Either seven years of famine for the people, three years of defeat at the hand of the enemy, or three days of pestilence or disease for the people. David <coughs> chose the latter, and the people were plunged into three horrible days of disease and pestilence. It would be much like a, a cancer epidemic in our day. All the people, or most all the people, had a terrible cancer for three days. And in three days, 70,000 of the people died. David was hated by the people. Naturally, they blamed him. You always blame the leader when something goes wrong. But baseball team commits ten errors in one inning, they take out the pitcher. And, uh, and if the football team's not going well, they take out the quarterback. And if a church doesn't go well, they get a new preacher. And uh, if uh, so the nation wasn't going well, so they blamed David. And uh, <clears throat> David said his enemies turned, to get, turned on him with more uh, zeal than usual. And then he says his own neighbors turned against him, and then he implies that even those of his own household turned against him. And David himself got terribly ill, and in this time of unprecedented suffering in the life of David, 70,000 people died because of his sin. Enemies become zealots in opposition to him and of him. His friends forsaken him, his family misunderstanding him. And he himself, sick, diseased, and hated, and lonely, <clears throat> David says these words. 
My times are in thy hands. I guess nationally, if any nation ever needed to claim this, or if any people ever needed to claim this, it's, it's God's people in America today. With the famine, imminent, depression, almost a certainty, communism knocking at our very doors, our country being destroyed from within by an enemy that uh, at first tried to destroy us from without, now is destroying us from within, adult bookstores and dirty movies and filthy language in our newspapers and our public schools teaching garbage and trash and our colleges almost turned over completely to a new generation of, of loose morals and indecency. God's people just have to look up and say, Into thy hands I commend my spirit, and my times are in thy hand. My times. What did David mean? He meant my ups and downs, my health and my sickness, my poverty and my wealth, my calms and my storms, my victories and my defeats, my sunshine and my clouds, my reviving and my depressing, all are in God's hands. But now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before David could say that in verse 15, he had to say in verse 5, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Unless you've given yourself totally to God and said, Lord, I give myself to you, then you cannot say your times are in his hands. That means whatever happens to me, if I'm in the will of God, Romans 8, 28 is still in the Bible, says, um, um, says uh, all things work together. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, that means if I love God, and that word love is not a filial kind of a love, it's a gothy, a deep kind of a love. That means if I love God with all of my heart, and I'm in the perfect will of God for my life, and I've given everything to God, that means there are no uh-ohs in my life. That means no such thing as accident in my life. Accidental death is, is, is impossible. It means that I'm immortal. A Christian who loves God and is in the perfect will of God is immortal. His birth, his life, and his death are determined by God, and our times are in his hands. <clears throat> that means nothing happens by chance. That means there's no such thing as good luck or bad luck. I always hate to hear two Christians say to each other, good luck to you, all fooey. No such thing as that. Everything is good luck to the child of God who's in God's will and loves God. For all things work together for good. That's an, that's an accident as well as a safe trip. That's illness as well as health. That's poverty as well as wealth. That's low times as well as high times. That's in tears as well as, as well as laughter. That's in mourning as well as singing. If you are in God's will, and if you love God, there's no accident at all, and his, your, his, your times are in His hands. Now you say, hold it, preacher. <clears throat> Some bad things happen to me. Now you don't know whether they were bad or not. You have no idea. The honest, simple truth is, you look, most of us look back on our lives and those times we thought were the darkest times or the brightest times. Do you know that, that, that a time of, of depression is only an opportunity for God to show His power? Looking back in the life of our church, now I mean this. To me, <clears throat> I, I'm glad we have this building. And I'm glad for all the building programs that we've had and all the dedication days. And all the times of victory God has given us. But to me, one of the sweetest times that I've ever known in my life, and especially here, was during the times of the days following the tragic fire. I couldn't understand it then. I understand it now. I couldn't understand when I was a boy why my dad was not a Christian. I understand it now. I could not understand when I was a kid why God wanted me to grow up in poverty. I understand it now. I couldn't understand why I was the only boy in Sunday school that wore no shoes. I understand it now. I could, and by the way, that means if I'm a Christian, and I love God, and I'm in God's will, 
That means I shouldn't chafe at anything that happens to me. We know that all things, everything, works together, fits the design, fits the pattern, for good to those who love God. That means the child of God, there's no such thing as a dark day. There's only a day where God's brightness shines in the darkness. There's no such thing as a dark day for the child of God who's in God's will. Now, if you're living for yourself, you can have low days, and you will. If you're living in sin, you can have accidents, you might say, and you will. But blessed be God when you come to place in your life where you say, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. When you come to that place in your life, nothing, nothing is accidental anymore. And David said, In one of the darkest hours of his life, and David knew some dark hours, My times are in thy hand. Nothing is left to chance. Now, there are two things I want to call to your attention. They're not profound, but they are profound, but they're not unknown. The first one is, and this is something that we need to stress over and over again, to those who love God. Now, <clears throat> don't misunderstand me. Now, I'm not talking about those that come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and don't come back on Wednesday night. You travel at your own risk. I'm not talking about you God robbers. Come to church on Sunday and don't give God 10% of your income. I'm not talking about you that, 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 that have your rock music and your dirty magazines. I'm not talking about you rebels. I'm not talking about you miniskirt wearers and you short wearers and you beach bathers. I'm talking about God's people who've given everything to God and live and bathe themselves in the perfect will of God for their lives. Now those people can say, my times are in his hand. The first thing I want to say, and I'll always say over and over again these days, to that crowd of people, simply this, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Through every day, or all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. Of you. You've heard me say this before, and I'll emphasize it again and again and again. There is only one sure way to eat in the famine, and that's be right with God in every way. Only one sure way. Stack your money in banks, and banks will fail. Put your money in the government bonds, and the government will fail. There's no institution in the world as near broke as the United States of America. There's no institution in the world that, that finances as much. And by the way, I hope Mr. Kissinger does what he said he might do. Keep sticking their tongue out at us in the United Nations. I hope he does lead our country to withdraw our financial support of the United Nations and let those communist crooks support their own devilment for a while. But anyway, um, I'm saying that if you are in God's... Now, I'm talking about coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm talking about coming back on Sunday night. I'm talking about coming back on Wednesday night. I'm talking about reading your Bible every day and not just a verse or two. I'm talking about, I'm talking about on your knees talking to God in prayer time and time again, daily, daily. I'm talking about the tithe being the Lord's. Give God everything. I'm talking about the blessed fact of that everything you have belongs to God. Listen, God will take care of you if you will take care of God's business. Amen. It was Queen Elizabeth who made this statement. Queen Elizabeth went one time to one of the leading merchants in London and asked that mer merchant if he would to go to Holland, represent the, representing the government of England in Holland. The merchant asked the question. He, he asked this question. He said, who will take care of my business. Who will take care of my business? And Queen Elizabeth said, You take care of my business, and, sir, I will take care of your business. Now, God will do the same thing. Look at me, kids. Look at me. God will do the same thing. But God will not take care of your business unless you take care of His. 
Don't you expect to rob God and lay out a church and watch the midnight movie and, and uh, read the Playboy magazine and, and, uh, and go down on the beach and watch the nude women or, or be one of them. Don't you expect to do that and rebel at school and rebel against your parents. Don't you expect to do that. Don't you expect to live day after day and watch television more than you read this book. Don't you expect it. And expect God to feed you when everybody's going hungry. But to those of you that are in the will of God, God will take care of you. I like that. Think of Isaiah. <clears throat> Isaiah, one of the darkest days of his life. He wrote that great, great passage when he said, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And God said, Every tongue that shall, that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Or how about Paul, that great soldier of the cross in jail, who writes, My God shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory. Or I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Or how about Jeremiah in the dungeon, in prison in the dungeon, writing, Call unto me and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Or John on Patmos writing the Revelation, I'm simply saying God still has some manna left in heaven. He hasn't run out yet. And God still has plenty of quail he can send down like he did in Moses' day if he wants to. And the rock in Horeb hasn't run dry yet. And there's some ravens still hanging around heaven uh, waiting for God to beckon them to come and bring some sandwiches to men of God on earth who will serve God and be faithful to God in his will. God is now of loaves and fishes yet. And he still has plenty of oil for widows' vessels and meal for, for her son. He still has book. Brook is not yet dry, and Matthew 6, 33 is still in the Bible. God will take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Still in the book. I've been reminding myself lately of all of these things. Because we've got to have two and a half million dollars, or we, our college will be meeting under a tent somewhere. We've got to have it by January the 1st. And there are people in the city of Hammond that are placing bets and giving odds that we won't be able to pay that money. Now, we're going to have to generate some new faith in God. We're going to have to give it everything we've got. We're going to have to say, for the grace of God, we will not, we will not do anything but win the victory through Christ. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. With God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible to him that believeth. We have to get those promises and squeeze them over and over and over again. And these 28 years of pastoring and 30 years of being a licensed preacher, <clears throat> I've never had, I've never had to prove God as much as I've got to prove God in the next five, five and a half months. Never have. Never have. Two and a half million dollars. Besides the regular finances of the church during the Depression time, of all the times in the, in the history of this church, when, when, when two and a half million is, is multiplied bigger than it ever has been before in this time, it's bigger than it ever has been. And tonight I'm asking God to give me a new faith. I'm fasting and praying, as you are, many of you are, for God to give it to us. I'm asking our people to fast and pray one day a week. I'm asking you, as I did the other morning, I'm asking you to give one day every week between now and the 1st of January to fall on your face before God and fast and do without food for a day and plead with God and beg God to give us what we... Listen, I've said to God 10,000 times, I was driving around in the rain the other morning, and I said, Dear God, I said, You know this school is not for me, and you know I never wanted to start a school, and you know I don't want it for myself, and you know it's to try to save this nation, and I know you love America. In God's name, show yourself strong and do something, and let the people know you're God, and there's a God in heaven who answers you. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. That means we've got to lay everything we have on the altar. We've got to be sacrificial. We've got to say, Dear Jesus, everything I have is yours. I mean this tonight. I believe if there is a need in America, <clears throat> it's Hiles Anderson College. Now, there are many good colleges in America. But there's one school in America, and you mark it down. If you don't believe it, you just wait and see. There's one school in America that have the same convictions ten years from the night we have tonight. You just wait and see. 
I mean, I mean, if, if now listen, brother, there, there are churches all across this nation, fundamental, so-called Bible-believing churches, that are, that are, have acquiesced and given in to popular dress, music. But there ought to be one school in America that stands just like many schools did 25 years ago. And I promise you, as long as I stand behind this pulpit, as long as that name Hiles is on that college, I promise you, I shall not be moved. <clears throat> now, I believe God's going to take care of us. I've been reminding God lately of what He used to do and what He has done for me in the past. I've reminded God of how He gave us that college in the first place. I've reminded Him how, of how every month, one night, I'd go out to college and pray uh, most, if not all, the night, and take off my shoes and walk up and down. You think it's not rough to go barefooted in January out there? You just try it, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, and to take off my shoes and walk around the campus and say, "God, I claim this for you." I wish I'd have claimed the money too then, but I claimed the school. It's a miracle we have that place. If you don't believe it's a miracle, then God, our times are in God's hand. And you know, <clears throat> do you know that the same Sunday? The last Sunday that I was pastor of the Miller Road Baptist Church in Garland, Texas, August the 23rd, 1959, is the day they dedicated that Catholic college out there. They dedicated that college the week I came to Hammond. God had it built and ready for me. It just took me 15 years to claim it, that's all. <clears throat> but I'm saying, I'm saying that God is limitless in His power if His people will believe Him and give all to Him. I've been reminding God over and over again. I've said, Lord, we have a faculty. Lord, we have students. Lord, we have a curriculum. <laughs> and we only have four months of a building. If per any chance that building is not paid for January the 1st, we'll have probably 1,300 students without a place to meet. And a faculty and a curriculum. Now, folks, listen to me. We're... We're facing the wall. And we've got to give and claim God's power and claim the victory. We've got to do it. I've reminded him of, my yield, of, of the fact that I've tried to yield. God knows I made a vow to him years ago. I said, Lord, I'll take care of your business if you'll take care of mine. I wish I had done as good a job with his business as he has with mine. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I, I started bringing a book to you tonight. <clears throat> that little book, um, How to Rear Children. If I had taken just the 10% royalty, and I could have gotten more than that on the book. If I had taken the 10% royalty that legally is mine off that little book on How to Rear Children. I think we've sold now 60,000 copies of that book, if I'm not mistaken. 60,000 copies of that book, if it averaged $3, $3 a copy. 60,000 times 3 is how much? 180000 and 10% of that's $18,000. That means I could have made for myself off that one book just 10% royalty, $18,000. That's $6,000 a year off that one book. Now, that's my money. That's money I earned. That's money that any other author just about in America takes. That's off one book. I have 24 books I've written. That's off one book. What am I saying? I'm simply saying, and the Lord knows this truth, I have not saved for any day. I have not laid aside. Uh, <coughs> Al Gomez building a big house out there on Highway 30. Beautiful house. Looks like a monastery. I think he's going to go Catholic and keep a bunch of monks out there. <laughs> and a uh, beautiful house on Highway 30. Oh, I guess it's worth seven and a half million dollars or so. I'm not sure. But anyway, <coughs> beautiful house. <coughs> he's a builder. And uh, the rumor is out now, so he tells me, that, the, that, the, that that's my house. And the dirty crook, they said, uh, that's Hiles' house. He didn't even tell them any different. Not a thing. He, and, and folks think that, that's my house. You wait till I move in, buddy. You'll be surprised. <laughs> and, uh, but my house. So folks say, yeah, Hiles is rich. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, yeah, he, he gets up and says he doesn't have a bank account. He's got it, but he hasn't got it in his name. 
If you find out what name it's in, would you please let me know? No, the reason that you think I'm rich is because that's what you would do if you had a chance to get rich. But I have no desire to be rich, and one reason I don't want to get rich is I want to see God perform. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't have two and a half million dollars to pay off the college. I'm glad I didn't have that much money myself. If I had it, I'd have bought a five million dollar college. Why? Because I'm just itching to see how God's going to do this. You say, Brother Howe, do you actually believe that God could pay, get us two and a half million dollars? Well, I think you're going to help him quite a bit. But I'll guarantee you one thing. If I took everybody here with the heels and shook all the money out of your pockets and wrote all the balance, a check for the balance in your checkbook, it would be two and a half million dollars in this crowd. If there is, brother, I'll get it. You say, how do you know? We don't have that much money. Oh, that's about how much I've gotten from you in the last year or two. But you see, it's God's business. It's the Lord's work. And He is bound to take care of us. I, um, the second thing I want to say is this, and that is, He has your future planned. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you love God and His will, the crawling of an ant across a rose petal is according to the will of God and His plan for your life. Did you know that every wintry snowflake that falls on my hat, if I love God and if I'm in the will of God, God planned that snowflake to fall in exactly the place it fell was God's ordained place for that snowflake to fall. I wish you wouldn't have so many snowflakes fall on my hat in a minute time. That's God's ordained. Nothing can happen by accident. He has my future plan. I was thinking, <clears throat> Brother Vineyard, how God's taken care of me through these years. One, day, one, uh, one uh, week, years ago, I was preaching in Austin, Texas. I was going to catch a plane to fly to Austin, Texas. Some strange reason, I, I changed my flight. I really didn't know why. I just changed my flight. And I felt sort of spooky about it. I don't know why I did. Just changed my flight. And uh, I read the newspaper the next morning. The flight that I was going to take crashed between Dallas and Austin. And there were no survivors. Now, that's the way the Lord's taken care of me all through these years. Yes, Brother Howes, aren't you afraid to fly? <laughs> no, no. And once while Brother Sully meets me at the airport, and I'm afraid to drive back. <clears throat> but uh, with a one-armed driver, I was driving down to Durham, North Carolina, brought to Durham Airport down to Greenville, uh, North Carolina one time. <clears throat> a fellow drove me, we late. He drove about 90 miles an hour all the way on slippery roads. We got about two-thirds there, and boy, I was scared to death. And he said, by the way, I want to tell you, I don't have any legs. I said, what are you talking about? He said, both of these are artificial. I said, will they, will they push the brake? He said, yeah. I said, they push the brake. <clears throat> and I drove the rest of the way. <clears throat> but, uh, but the Lord ordains, unless you have a one-armed driver, <clears throat> the Lord ordains your future, and your future is planned. And I was thinking how good God's been to protect me through these years. I could just tell story after story after story. Listen, time and time again, time and time again, a fellow just about to beat the fire out of me, or try to, when some big guy steps up and beats the fire out of him. <clears throat> I was down in Mesquite, Texas, preaching. Many years ago, I preached on Sunday night. I do not know why I preached a revival, a week revival. I don't know why I preached on deacons going fishing now, on Sunday. I don't know why. But I, I took off on deacons fishing on Sunday. And now I preach on deacons fishing any time. But I, I took off on deacon bow and I skinned it. I didn't know the chairman of the deacons had taken the deacon board fishing that morning. <clears throat> had no idea. Really, I didn't. You think I did. I would have preached it anyway. But uh, they were there that night, had a fishing party all night, Saturday night, came in Sunday afternoon. Oh, they were mad. My soul, my soul. And the deacon chairman said, tomorrow night, <clears throat> when the service is over, I'm going to beat that preacher to a pub. So, next night, I preached. I walked out. I couldn't look at the people. I was Mesquite, Texas, of all names for town. <clears throat> I couldn't look at the people. Boy, they were mad. Oh, and the deacons lined up, and they were going to watch him beat me to a pub. And, uh, of 
course, now you better be careful before you decide to do that. It may be the deacon that's beaten to a pup, you know. Uh, I had judo in the army, and uh, and uh, I won't tell you how much I've forgotten, but I had judo in the army. And uh, so uh, I, somebody came down after the service and said, that deacon's out there waiting for you right outside the door, right to front. Well, I felt led, led to go out the back. <clears throat> I went out the back. But there's no way to get to my car without going by that deacon. He was waiting for me to come in, look in the front door. And I went around, and I figured I might as well bluff him. So I grabbed him by the shoulder, just like that, and pulled him around. I said, I understand you're looking for me. He said, as a matter of fact, I am. And I said, well, come on over here in the educational building. I took off my, my, my coat and rolled up my sleeves. Oh, and I am a fearsome-looking creature. <clears throat> like that. And uh, I took off my coat, rolled up. I said, come on over here. And I acted like I wasn't scared at all. And I went over there. I said, what do you want? And uh, about that time, I looked up and I saw about a dozen of my, my deacons from my church in Garland. They'd heard I was in trouble. <laughs> and I, boy, I got rough. I got rough. <clears throat> Old Francis Knoll said, you need any help, preacher? <laughs> and uh, well, I'm just saying, they just showed up at the right time. We had a business meeting here one night. Some of you folks were there. When we had our knock-down, drag-out, barn-storming, window-rattling, shingle-pulling church problem we had, and one guy back in the back over in this building that burned down, he, uh, he, he, he said, I'll get you! He came running right down that aisle. But the dear Lord had, had my side right at the front. He had the biggest guy in that meeting sitting over here on the corner and uh, for me. And the, as, as the fellow came to get me around to the corner, the fellow on my side, the big guy, here tonight probably, he tackled him as he came around the corner. <laughs> uh, boy, I talk about a cheerleader. I said, get that guy. Oh, get that guy. <clears throat> and he tackled him as he came around the corner. Ah, oh, listen, God will take care of his people. Yes, he will. If you love him and you're in his will, there's a certain wonderful way that God takes care of his own. So he'll take care of you, and he has your future planned. Um, but now the tragic thing is, sometimes we let the little things bother us and nip at us. And uh, before we know it, we lose the battle and do not put our faith in him. For Sir Francis Drake, who sailed around the world, he came back to the Thames River, and in that little river, I say little river, that river, after being on the oceans of the world, he came back home and came to the Thames River, and uh, suddenly a storm came up. He was almost home, and he came by one particular place, and, and he said to his men, he said, what? Sail around the world and get drowned in a ditch. What? Sail around the world and get drowned in a ditch. Don't tell me that we're going to see what God has done to this church in the last 15 or 16 years then go under in the next four months and 11 days, five months, 11 days. Don't tell me that. No, no, no. We've seen too much. We've seen too much. Ah, no wonder somebody wrote, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I know this is true. I don't know how, but I know. On January the 1st, we're going to write a check to the Catholics for $2,500,000. I'll be honest, I don't know how. You say, preacher, are you worried about it? <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about it some. You fret? Yeah, I fret some. That's why I'm preaching to myself tonight. I'm trying to stir up my faith. But I believe God's going to... I think... Look, look. The Bible says that God never starts anything He doesn't finish. He that hath begun a good work will finish it, the Bible says. And God has begun this work. He began this church, and he brought me here, and he, he gave us the, the victory 15 years ago. And he put the Hiles Anderson College uh, uh, in, in existence, and he gave us the high school, and he gave us the grade school. And God is willing, if his people will believe him and sacrifice, God's willing to exceeding abundantly above the, all, all that we ever are able to think. God wants to give us the victory, and I think he will. You know, I was thinking... I was thinking of the, of the wonderful things in the Bible where it says, but talks about the Lord's hands, the things are in his hands. My, my time, the, 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 the psalmist said, or in thy, my times are in thy hand. There are many things that God says are in his hands. Of course, my times, Psalm 31, uh, 31 15. And his sheep, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
God takes us as his sheep and puts them in the hand of his own dear son. And then he puts his own hand, the hand of God the Father, around it. And the Bible says, no man can pluck them out of my hand. No man, no man can pluck them out of my hand. And that's where you are tonight. You're in the hand of God. And nothing can sever you from God's wonderful protecting power and from the hand of God. But there's something else. His sheep, I like this one, his preachers are in his hand also. For Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, He holdeth the seven stars of the seven churches in his right hand. If you'll check that carefully, it says the seven stars are the angels. And the word angel is the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. Uh, May I suggest something to you? Uh, I don't mean to be cocky, and I don't mean to be unkind to you, but I'd suggest you never take off to try to destroy one of God's men. God holds his servants in his hand. A preacher came last night to me, a man came last night to me, and <clears throat> said I was a part in a church split. I, I, I led in voting out the pastor. I led in splitting the church. He said, you think I did right? I said, no, I don't think you did. The pastor wasn't all he ought to be, but he did believe the Bible, and he was one of God's men. And I said, I think if you couldn't have stayed, you are tiptoed out. Don't you ever lift up your hand against God's anointed, I said. God has a wonderful way of holding his preachers in his hands. I wish I could tell you tonight all the wonderful ways that God has held this preacher in his hands through these years. My, 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 my. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't. I was up in New York State one night and got captured. <laughs> really. Bunch of guys captured me over here in the corner. And uh, a big tall fellow stood over there for two or three hours. At 1.30 in the morning, he said, he said, look, he said, you point that way and, and, and say, say something about who's over there. We'll make a getaway. God gave me one man. Had a car, had his engine running in his car already. And I said, hey, look over there. And everybody looked over there. And he and I took off out this way and ran out the door. Went to my room. They walked the uh, hippies were outside my, my, my room all night long waiting for me to come out. I didn't feel led to go out. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, God took care of me. I could tell you case after case after case how God has cared for this preacher just at the right time. <clears throat> I was preaching in, in Garland, Texas. And if I could call the name, some of you folks would know the name. Fine lady in our church. Her husband said, I'm sick of her going down and hearing that preacher more than she's home. And uh, I'll tell you what, that preacher, I'll get him. And uh, he got a gun and came off to get me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so he went home and he tried to shoot the gun and the gun wouldn't shoot. It was broken. A preacher, one, a, a, a man one night in East Texas had, took a, got, a, got a gun. He was going to kill his wife and then kill me. <laughs> and he forgot the bullets. <laughs> and uh, so the Lord, I mean, the Lord keeps his preacher in his hand. Amen. I, right, right there. Use of the house. What do you think? Uh, what do you think would happen if I decided to hit you in the mouth? Oh, I'd probably duck, hit you in the mouth, and win the fight. Or you'd probably get uh, paralysis of the arm when you started to do it. Or you'd probably bust your... You'd probably hit me in the head instead of my jaw and bust your hand. I got the hardest head in America. Maybe you've noticed that. But the Lord says, my preachers, I hold in my hand. He holds his sheep in his hand. He holds his preacher in his hand. He holds my times in his hand. But there's something else. In Isaiah 49, 16, it says he holds my name in his hand. Our names are engraved on the palm of his hand. He holds my name. You said, Brother Howe, how could he have all our names on the palm of his hand? I don't know. I don't know. But I believe it. I believe every name of all of his children written on the palm of his hand. How? I don't know how. Well, you said, Brother House, Brother House, uh, you, believe, you believe that all the names of all the Christians who've ever lived written in the palm of God's hand? Sure I do. Just like I believe the sun stood still for Joshua. Just like I believe that the waters of the Red Sea were parted. Somebody said to you one time, you believe that old story over there where it says that water came out of that rock and Moses smote it? Yeah, I said I believe it. And if the Bible had said it had a call and come out, I believe that too. Of course, you're too young for had a call. But... Uh, the Bible said had a call was was a, a what was it called what was it a a tonic we used to take that made us all so healthy back when we were kids and uh, but I believe it 
And uh, so I want to take the Bible in these days and squeeze every ounce of juice I can out of God's promises. I've taken every promise I can find in the Bible. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I'm claiming that in these days. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be given unto you. I'm claiming that in these days. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted with the river of water that bringeth forth his fruit in this season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I'm claiming that in these days. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I'm claiming that these days. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm claiming that in these days. Let me ask you a question. Have you got anything tonight that's going to take a miracle from God for you to get? Do you have a need tonight to take a miracle? You know what I believe? I don't know who it is. I believe God's going to perform some wonderful miracles about healing in this church in the next few months. I believe that. I believe you're going to see some wonderful, wonderful things happen. Ah, thank God for that blind man that got his sight not long ago in our services. Thank God for the miracles we've seen. I believe believe God's going to do something for us. I believe God's going to show us that he's there. I think God's going to call some people that can't see to see and some people that can't walk to walk. I've been begging God about a lot of people in this church, and I believe God's about to do something mighty big. I believe that. I believe God wants there to be a church or some churches in America who test Him and show that He's a mighty God, that He's a God of power and victory and blessing. I believe God's going to do it, and I'm claiming God for it and pleading with God. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm spending an awful lot of time, when I'm on the road especially, I'm spending an awful lot of time begging and pleading and claiming and weeping and asking and knocking. You got anything? I preached one night down in in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'll never forget it. Hershey, Pennsylvania. On this kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This kind. The miraculous kind. I mean the casting out devil's kind. And I'm not sure I've told you. I preach them in place. I forget what I've told where. But I may have told you. <clears throat> I recall down the aisle they came to tell me what they were praying for. And one lady said, I'm praying for God to heal a cancer. And <clears throat> one man said, I'm praying for my son. He's a wayward son. He's on dope and he's gone away from home. And I don't know where he is. I'm praying he'll get saved. And they were claiming this kind. I mean supernatural workings of God. And um, one lady came. Now she threw herself on my shoulder. I don't. I don't like that, and uh, and I, 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 sometimes it bothers me. But occasionally, somebody gets so beside themselves, they throw themselves on the preacher. And this lady threw herself on my shoulder. Uh, she was a young lady, I guess about thirty, and she was sobbing vehemently. I mean, she was crying, and she said, "I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it." And I said, "What's that?" And she said, "My husband." She said, my husband is mean. He never goes to church. He hates the church. He won't set his foot inside of the church. She said, I'm going to fast and pray and believe God for my husband. She cried and cried. (coughs) And I said, I believe God's going to hear you. I said, now, little lady, it may take weeks and weeks and weeks of agonizing before God. She threw herself at the altar. I looked up at the next person in line, big long line here, and I said, Sir, what are you what what are you praying for? What are you going to claim for God? He said, I'm not claiming anything. I'm not saved. I said, uh, who are you? He said, That's my wife. Just talked to you right there. <coughs> That's my wife. And I said, Blessed be God. I said, What are you doing in here? He said, For years I've been meeting my wife outside to pick her up in this church. And he said, I wouldn't come in here. But he said, tonight, I sat out there waiting on my wife to get out. And I thought, who's preaching tonight? He never is going to get through. I was preaching tonight. And and he said, all of a sudden, something came over me. And I had to come in. I didn't know why. I had to come in. And I came in, and I heard you say, God could save anybody. 
And God can perform miracles. He said, I want to get saved. And he got saved before his wife even knew it. She was there promising God she's going to fast and pray. And he got saved. Oh, listen to me. God can do anything. 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 God can do anything but fail. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. God can do anything. 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 God can do anything but fail. I don't tell all the stories that happen here. When I get to heaven, we get to heaven, you're going to be amazed at some miracles that have taken place in Hammond, Indiana. You're going to be shocked. If I could tell you tonight what God has done to people who've set their hand against this church and against this preacher, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. But I know tonight, I know, 16 years ago, this month, 16 years ago, this month, in fact, 16 years ago, next Wednesday night, I read my resignation to the Miller Road Baptist Church of Garland, Texas. 16 years ago, next Wednesday night, I saw the saddest service I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a funeral service as many tears. I've never seen a death cause as many heart, much heartbreak. I've never seen a crowd get beside itself. So when I stood up and shocked my people beyond compare and read my resignation, and my people went honestly into fits of, of screaming and shouting for sadness and sorrow, and we just stopped, I guess, for 30 minutes. Everybody just cried. Nobody said a word. I knew that night. And I don't know tonight that God led me 16 years ago to pastor the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Amen. I knew that. I knew that. And I know it now. And I know that for 16 years, God's hand's been on this work. This is God's business. This is of the Lord. And now we face again. Somebody said, well, the house, we just go from crisis to crisis. Yes, I know. I know. And that's the way God's people always do if they keep on marching. Battle, battle after battle. Battle after battle. But no battles, no victories. No battles, no victories. God's hand's on this work. <clears throat> God's hand. Would you tell me, would you tell me, Apart from a miracle, how a loud-mouthed Texas preacher would ever have fitted, fitted into a church like this unless God was in it? Would you tell me why in the name of common sense this church would have even... <laughs> I recall, I hadn't thought of this in a long time. <clears throat> I recall after the church had called me here, one of the members here, a lady here in the church, I think she's gone now, <laughs> uh, she was on vacation. She came through Texas. And while I was waiting to come here, she came by and visited our services one Sunday night. And she just sat there, stunned. When the service was over, she didn't even move. She thought, that is coming to First Baptist Church of Hammond. Yeah, and, and it's here. It's here. But I knew... I knew that a miracle had taken place and that God wanted me here. And I know this is God's church. I know His hands on it. And I want you to share with me in believing God for the miracle. And I want you to claim some miracles. Got any rivers that seem to be uncrossable? Got any mountains you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things that seem impossible. He knows a thousand ways to make a way for you. Amen. For those who love God and those who are in His will, our times are in His hands. Our times are in His hands. Tonight, Dr. Jack Van Eppie, Dr. Al Janis say, that I'm one of the ten most wanted men in America with the communists. I'm on the, I'm on the ten most wanted list. 
And I feel like I just graduated valedictorian of the senior class. I want the dirty communists to like me. I want the revolutionary crowd to be on my side. You say, aren't you worried? My times are in his hands. My times are in his hands. When the Vietnam War was over and I came home Wednesday night and went home after the service. I'd been gone. We all, when we'd given in the Vietnam War. <clears throat> Linda and Cindy were waiting for me late at night. And they said, Dad, what does it mean? And Cindy said, Dad, does it mean the communists are going to take over America? I don't know what that what means that or not. But there's one thing I do know. I love God tonight. And He knows I do. He knows I do. I love him, and I'm in his will, and as best I know, he hears me. He'll strike me dead if I'm lying, he hears me. As best I know, everything I have is his. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My times are in his hands. My times are in his hands. And all things. Work together for good. To them who love God. To the goals of the call according to His purpose. Now I'll tell you a little story. I've told you time and time again. But I love it. I love it. I love it. About twice a year I tell it. About when I was down in Tampa, Florida. Brother Olaf and I were preaching under a big tent down there. An old preacher came up after the service and said, Would you pray with me in the altar? Nobody was there but the two of us. Everybody else gone home. The old preacher, voice gone, got on his face at the altar and said, Dear Lord, I hate baking powder. I looked over at that old man. I thought, Good night, I wonder what cell he's in. I never heard a prayer like that. At the seminary, they never taught me anything like that. Dear Lord, I hate bacon powder. And then he shook his head. I hate bacon powder. I thought, good night. The warble sounds like a Baptist preacher, but what a prayer. I bowed my head. He said, Dear Lord, I hate shortening. He hates shortening. I hate shortening. Well, I'd heard now, lay me down to sleep. And I heard, I father would shorten heaven. But I'd never heard, dear Lord, I hate shortening before. Dear Lord, I hate flour. I hate flour. I waited for him to bring a straight jacket in. <laughs> Made me a hole in the ground where I could make a quick getaway in case he attacked me. Dear Lord, I hate salt. I hate salt. Well, that time I wasn't praying. I was just watching him. <laughs> his prayer. He called off a list of a bunch of stuff he hated. And he blah, 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 all of them. And I watched that old saint of God as a smile came across his face and the tears began to cruise down his cheeks. And he said, but Lord, put them all together and mix them up. And put them in the oven. <laughs> And I sure do love hot biscuit. And then he said, For all things work together for good to those who love God. That's what the Bible is teaching. Each event of life, each happening of our lives may taste bad alone. 
I can't tell you why that little lady is over there in a wheelchair tonight. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why she came to the office this morning. Talk. She's almost almost impossible to understand her. One of the finest little ladies we have in our church. Soul winning lady. Had brain surgery. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why she can't walk tonight. I can't tell you why she can't take care of her duties at home. I can't tell you why she's almost blind. I can't tell you why God will reach down and take a little lady, what, 30 years of age, I guess, or so. I can't understand why. But I know one thing. To those who love God, to those who are in His will, our times are in His hands. And I look up to God many times and say, Lord, I hate, I hate that church fire. I hate that tornado you sent in Texas. I hate the trouble we had 15 years ago. But put them all together, and they sure do taste good. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we've sort of rambled tonight. Maybe I'm just trying to preach to myself a little bit tonight. Maybe I just need to believe you more than I have. But dear Jesus, I never have had to have this kind of money before. And I've never carried this kind of load before. And I need to have a little extra faith. I pray tonight you'd give it to us. There are folks tonight in this building who need a miracle. I pray you'd give it to us. A lot of folks tonight in this room that need you in a very special way. Speak to us tonight. Give us faith we've never known before in a mighty God we've known for many years. And thank you, Father, that our times are in your hands. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. God, any rivers that seem to be uncrossable? Huh? God, any mountains? You cannot tunnel through. Huh? I wonder how many say were the Hiles in my life tonight. There's something that needs to be done. If it's done, God's going to have to do it. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Brother Hiles, I want to believe God. I want to believe God. Pray with me. Would you lift your hand, please, all over the building? All over the building. Oh, yes. God bless you. Father, you told us now that if we loved you, agape, loved you, and we're in your will, everything's for the good. You didn't say, dear Lord, that we'd think it was for the good. You said it would be for the good. And I pray You'd hear our prayers tonight and give us some miracles. Give us some miracles. Dear Lord, heal somebody's cancer. Bring back somebody's wayward son or addicted daughter. Save some real tough cases. Open to blind some blind eyes. Call some crippled folks to walk. And oh God. I beg you, as I begged you, through these through these days, supply the need for the college. Give us wisdom, please. Our heads are bowed. If you feel that God wants you at this altar, for any reason, it's yours. You help build it. You use it. But first, may I ask you this question? Who tonight in this room would say, Brother Howells, I don't even know that I'm saved? <coughs> I wish I did. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I don't know that I am. I'd like to be a Christian. I'd like to go to heaven. Pray for me that I may know that I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand, please?
On the main floor first. On the main floor. You don't know that you're going to heaven. You don't know that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. But you wish you did know it. Raise your hand, would you? God bless you. I see that hand, fellow. I see it. Who else? On the main floor. The lower floor. You'd say, pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. But I wish I did. Pray for me. On the lower floor. On the main floor. Would you raise your hand?